We strongly believe self-reflection is what gives you the most growth as an individual. Well, self-reflection on your financials also will help you have the most growth within your property. Sometimes it is difficult to not have a property that's going super well, right? Or a property that's going well, but you wish it was going better. But be able to look at the numbers really gives you motivation to dig deeper, to ask more questions. Hey there, real estate enthusiasts. Get ready for a thrilling ride as we dive into the world of multifamily real estate investing. I'm Susie Sevier. And I'm Michael Barnhart, and you're tuning in to the Adventures of a Real Estate Investor podcast, where we break down the complexities of multifamily investing with a focus on asset management in a fun, digestible, and accessible way. Join us on this journey as we unravel the secrets of seasoned experts and share insights to make real estate investing accessible for everyone with a special focus on investing to make an impact. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, we've got you covered with tips, tricks, and industry knowledge that'll empower you on your real estate adventure. So buckle up for this new season packed with valuable information, entertaining discussions, and a few surprises along the way. We're your hosts, Susie Sevier and Michael Barnhart, and this is the Adventures of a Real Estate Investor podcast. Let's embark on this multifamily adventure together. Welcome back, Adventurous family. We are super excited to be with you today. So today, we're going to talk about so many fun things about key performance indicators, but we really want to discuss the importance of tracking these KPIs for multifamily asset success, why they're important, what we track, what we're really like looking at every single really it feels like every single day because it never ends right until you close or sell the asset this is something you should be tracking all of the time because the times that you aren't tracking it are the times that you wish that you were but so we're gonna chat about all the different things that we track michael's gonna give you like a little glimpse into what our kpi tracker looks like and this is just like a glimpse of what we track talking about all of it would be like a 400 part series but this one's just two parts so what we track and then we'll tell you at the end what part two is all about. But some of the huge benefits of KPI tracking is that it really helps us with decision-making and what we need to do next. It helps maximize profitability, which is what we're also in this for. And then just like an increased investor confidence, you can do so much more. I mean, yes, like just in life, but also with your property. When you know what's happening with the nitty gritty details within your property, you have way more confidence to be able to task out certain projects, to be able to say like, I know this is going to work because we've done this at other properties before. There's just a lot that confidence brings. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Susie, for the introduction there. Let's get into it. Like, I, as we mentioned, what season three is all about is peeling back the curtain, right? So what we're going to do first is we're going to talk about the five essential groups of KPIs that we track. We track them weekly. We look at them on a daily basis. Some of them are monthly. I'll show you that here in a second. Again, for our listeners who are listening on, you know, whatever your favorite podcast platform is, please go to our YouTube channel if you want to look at what I'm going to share my screen and then talk through. And you can go to your YouTube channel. It's called The Adventures of a Real Estate Investor. Just Google that. You'll be able to find our YouTube channel there and find this episode. Yeah, and it'll also be in the show notes. Absolutely. All right. So as I mentioned, there are five essential groups of KPIs that we track on a weekly basis. We have our on-site property manager fill out this spreadsheet. So it is a Google sheet. This one's actually, this is a real example here. This is one of our assets called the Park at 1220, which is located in Pryor, Oklahoma, just in the Tulsa MSA. And we just started 2024 tracking here. And you can see there are 
groups of different KPIs. The first group is named leasing. So within that group, we track the number of traffic or the number of leads that we have, the sources of traffic, the number of appointments, the number of showings, the number of applications, and then the number of new leases that come from that, right? So we can see all the way through from the traffic coming in all the way to new leases. That allows us to see if there are any bottlenecks in the whole leasing process, right? So if we had 10 appointments and one showing, right? Hey, did they actually know where the property is at, right? Or let's say we have 10 showings and then one application. What's going on with the property? Is there something wrong with the unit that's being shown that is resulting in only 10% application rate from the showings. And then we can see leases from that, right? Like how many leases were denied? How many leases were accepted? So if we have a high rate of denied leases, then we can potentially think that, okay, well, the traffic sources that are coming in may not be pointed at the residents that we want to live on the property that meet our resident, our criteria. Second section is all about income. And if you break that down in the specific KPIs, we look at rental incomes. So that is just what's collected from the rent. And we look at delinquency per week. And then we look at the number of residents that are delinquent and then other income that's collected and then the total income. So the total income would be rental income plus the other income there. Yeah, and we break out the two specifically from rental income to other income because we like when it does come time to sell the asset, we want to be able to show the difference between the two or else in many instances, when we are buying a property, we've had the lender specifically ask for it to be like two separate items so that they can see what the true rental income is and all of the opportunity that they can get from other income. Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of lenders actually don't count some other income, but there are some income streams that they do count. It all depends on the lender. The next group is maintenance. So for maintenance, we track total number of work orders currently open, how many work orders were completed that week, the number of vacant units, the number of rent-ready units, the number of units needing make-readies, and then the number of units that are made ready. Well, and the unit numbers. Like yeah. we want to know. Oh, if, sorry. Yeah, that's right. The unit numbers. Yeah. If there are two units that need to be made ready, what are those two unit numbers, right? Because we want to track week by week. Like, okay, this unit has been needing a make ready for a month or two weeks or a week. Let's talk about why. Because then that gives us a deeper picture into the communication with the on-site property manager and the maintenance. You know, it talks about like how they are designing their week every week for the maintenance guy. Like when we look at the number of work orders open and then completed, but then say one is low compared to the number of make ready's like we want to talk about why right because we want to make sure the property is the most efficient so how are they communicating together and by they I mean the property manager the on-site and the maintenance and like how are they coming up with the week by week goals in order to have make ready's be completed in a great fashion right we don't just want them done quickly and having to come back um, when a resident moves in because they're like wait all these things are wrong with it but we also want to make sure that the work orders are complete in a timely manner because we care about these residents and we don't like my Michael and I still rent and we wouldn't want something in our apartment broken for a very long time. And so we want to make sure that we know what's also going on with our property because we can't be there every day, nine to five. Absolutely. Thanks, Susie. The third group is occupancy. And so with that, we track physical occupancy, the number of units occupied, just so we can have an idea of that. The least occupancy as well, the number of units leased, and then also the month to month. So we want to track how many people are a month to month. And then also we track total 
number of notice to vacates within 30 days, and then total number of notice to vacates within 60 days. So we can see what we have potentially coming up to rent. And then that plays into maintenance and everything like that as well. Like something within occupancy is that when it comes to like the notice to vacates, you can really start to like have your leases come due. You can have that spread out throughout the year. If you buy a property and you realize that a lot of your notice to vacates, like a big chunk of the number are in May, June, July, and August, like you can make up different leases types or different lengths so that you can spread those out so that you don't have a huge influx of move-ins and move-outs just during the summer. You can make them even throughout the whole entire year. And so that's why that's something that we find very valuable just because we don't, we want to know that the onsite and the maintenance can also succeed with these, right? If we came to August and we're like, oh man, you know, we have 30 leases coming due this month. That's a lot. That's a lot for them to handle, come up with. If we can spread out the stress instead of just having it all within a certain season of life, then let's do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So these four leasing, income, maintenance, and occupancy, those four groups, those are tracked weekly. And we have our on-site manager put all that information in every single Friday when she's filling out her reports as well. There's a couple other things that were tracked that we track monthly. There's two things and one of them is property specific, but I'll get into that in a second. So one thing that we track on a monthly basis is our loss to lease, right? So we have our market rate. So say the market rate is, for example, $1,000 right, per month. The average rents that you're getting for that unit type is maybe 900. So in this case, that lost lease would be $100, right? So obviously you're trying to get all those units up to that market rate, up to that $1,000 rent. And so in that specific example, and so you can track that burnoff of lost lease over a period of time. Because there's not as many leases being turned over on a week-to-week basis, we only track this on a month-to-month basis. And it So there's not too much work for our on-site manager to do. And so you'll see that here. And then we have each unit type. So for this example here, we have one bed, two bed, three bed, and two bed plex and three bed plex as well. And so we have our market rent that we track, the average rent, and then the delta, right? The loss to lease between those two. And then another thing that we track on a monthly basis, and this is property specific, is amenity tracking. What I mean by amenity tracking in this case is we've started implementing what is known as amenity fees. And those are a way for us to, we basically lumped, summed all of valet trash and see water, water and pest control. Like it's almost like a renter's insurance, but it's a damage waiver. Mm -hmm. Some of our properties, we also include internet. So it really just varies per property. Yep. And electricity is is sometimes rolled in as well, depending on if it's all bills paid property or not. So we roll all that together in in what is called an amenity fee. And so we are tracking how many people, how many units are specifically paying that amenity fee. So we want to see that obviously increase over the year and see where we're at. If you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see that these aren't filled out currently because we just started 20 24 in January hasn't closed out yet, but they will be. You'll notice that we track all those four groups that I talked about earlier on a week-to-week basis, line by line, and then we'll have January totals at the bottom or monthly totals at the bottom of each of those. And then like something to add, right? Because man, should Susie and Michael just have this data and know this themselves? But let me tell you how much easier it is when the manager has to pretty much give all of this data to their regional anyways on Friday. We're like, hey, since you're pulling the numbers for your actual work anyways, like why don't we just put it in a spreadsheet? Because it gives Michael and I time to actually focus on asset management as opposed to like pulling the numbers and putting it in a spreadsheet. So it is really like a win-win because the ladies are already pulling the numbers and so they just have a different worksheet to put it into. Absolutely. And another benefit of having this uh, for them to do is this shows them how the property is performing 
on a weekly basis. Yeah, there's a couple items that they pull together at the end of each week, but this really gets into the details, right? They can say, oh, we had 15 work orders open and we still have 15 work orders open. You know, what was the maintenance guy doing that week? So things like that, they can look at maintenance, they can look at income, where we're at with delinquency, right? And they can look at leasing. Oh, there's traffic sources. Maybe we need to increase marketing in one area in order to increase traffic. So like there's things that is very beneficial for the on-site property manager to look at. And the regional, our regional manager also looks at these on a weekly basis as well, because they make sure that they're actually getting done. And so this is a really powerful tool to really have your onsite and your regional very in tune with what is going on at the property. Win-win. Win-win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, if this is something that you're also interested in as an active investor, as a passive investor, like definitely reach out. We can help you build something like this as well for your property because it might be different for everyone. But these are the things that we do find very, very important. Absolutely. Yeah. And I challenge you to go out and, and if you're an operator, go out there and build a specific KPI spreadsheet for your property. Each property is going to be different, right? There's things that you want to track, things you don't want to track. If you're doing a utility bill back, you want to track that, right? How many units are doing that? In addition to those weekly trackings and some of those are monthly as well. Another thing that we track is KPIs to track financial performance of the property, right? So monthly, we get all of our financial statements from our property management company. And basically we look through those line items. We look through the profit and loss statement, the PL, And then we also look at what's above the line, what's below the line, what's labeled as CapEx, what's not labeled as CapEx, to make sure things are coded properly in every single month. And additionally, Susie and I look through the general ledger, which is can be up to 200 pages long, depending on how big the property is and how many products you have going on. But we're looking on, we're looking at those on a line to line item. And sometimes we find double payments. I mean, there's a lot of input that's going on. Like, you know, you have a lot of people getting invoices. The property manager gets invoiced and they send it to the financial department. And then the financial department then uploads them into these documents, the, the general ledger. And so we just go line by line and say, okay, are, are there anything that's missing? Is there anything we need to add? Is there anything that's d duplicated? Anything that we, we need to remove? In addition to that, once we get those documents and then we finalize them. We put everything into what I call like a distributable cash flow tracker, basically. And I'd be happy to share that with anybody if you're interested in looking at it. I'm not going to pull it up because it is very detailed and very small print here. But things that I track in there, obviously income. I look at gross potential rent, especially if we have a value add strategy going on. Okay, did we turn that unit and did we increase that market rent for that specific unit? All right. Are we increasing our GPR, our gross potential rent every single month? If there's some kind of value add strategy being implemented, I want to look at that, right? And then from that, I want to look at rent collections. What was our rent collections for that month? And then we look at other income and then total income from there. And then we look at our expenses. And then from that, you can extrapolate what the NOI is, right? You look at NOI and you can track this all month to month, which is really powerful. Some other things that we track that I track in that spreadsheet specifically is looking at physical versus economic occupancy, right? And then comparing your performa for the property, what the economic occupancy is currently and what your performa was for that specific month, right? So I'm looking at all these variances. We're looking at rent per square feet. And then we're also looking at effective rent per square foot, right? What you're actually getting for rents. What you're, so rent per square foot is based on GPR versus the total uh, rentable square footage. Effective rent per square foot is like actually what you're getting, right? Versus the economic occupancy. And then after that, we can look at what the actual cash is available for distributions. Basically, it's like our NOI and then subtracted all of the below the line items, right? Like, so your mortgage payments, your any holdbacks that are needed for escrow and everything like that. And then in this spreadsheet, I also track quarterly distributions from there, right? So we look at 
okay, where are the quarterly distributions going out? And then we can see the percentage return that we're giving to the investors annualized for that year. So this all might sound like a lot, but like in reality, well, it is, but it's super important because we strongly believe self-reflection is what gives you the most growth as an individual. Well, self-reflection on your financials also will help you have the most growth within your property. Sometimes it is difficult to not have a property that's going super well, right? Or a property that's going well, but you wish it was going better, but be able to look at the numbers really gives you motivation to dig deeper, to ask more questions to the property manager. Although Michael and I talk to our property manager, some of them every day, but some of them weekly, we don't always get the answers on the first try. We ha have had to ask questions differently to figure out some of the numbers, right? Like we see it one way, but they see it another. Like really digging deep helps like you be able to be a better leader. It helps you to be able to ask better questions, but then also search for better answers. Like when you hear an answer, you can dig deeper within it when you actually know like these line by line numbers. 100%. Thanks, Susie. And so the last piece I want to talk about. So using this cash flow tracker that I just went through, right, that allows us to then create variance reports where we can look at what the actual financial report is for the property. And then we can compare that to what our performer was. And then we can look at the variance between the two. We can say, hey, are we on performer or are we falling behind performer? And how are we going to make adjustments to either correct that path if we are falling behind? So we do variance reports for rent collections, other income, total income, expenses, and NOI. And we report those to our investors every single month in our monthly investor report. Like with all these numbers, these are also like all of the underwriting, all of these spreadsheets are also shared with like the CEO of the property management company. And that is starts from the very beginning because we also want, and ours is a female. So when I say her, this is why, like we want her to understand our expectations. Do you think that you and your team can help us hit these expectations? Like, are they unreasonable? All these conversations are super important to have. But then with the variance report, like you can go back to the regional and the CEO or whomever and be like, hey, like we talked about how our performa rents were very reasonable to achieve, but this is what we're actually achieving. What's happening here? It is always great to be above it, like with a lower expenses and a higher income, but you have to be able to have those difficult conversations. And when you set yourself up for success from the beginning, these difficult conversations are not very difficult to have because it's not, nobody's blindsided. Everybody knew what the expectation was going into it. And this goes along with having a yearly budget and going over that with the regional and the onsite to be like, I don't understand where these numbers are coming from, or my expectations are a little bit different. Let's see how we can come together and find a happy, like medium middle. And so that we can all have success with this asset. Yeah. So those are just the two things, the big, big two things that we wanted to cover during this episode. I know this is part one, right? So this is even scratch the surface of like what other KPIs that our property management company covers or tracks. And so we're going to cover that in part two of this episode. And we're also going to cover how to leverage data and technology for effective KPI tracking in the next episode as well, in part two of this episode. But first we have our first fun segment, <laughs> which is the multifamily myth 
Mythbusters. A Mythbuster? Yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> so as you, as we mentioned at the first episode of season three, we're going to be doing these every single episode. And it's going to be geared towards what the topic was. So what's the myth today, Susie? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so the myth is high occupancy rate equals success. It does. Yeah. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? I don't know. If you see a property that's 100% occupied, doesn't that sound great? Does it? I don't know. <laughs> you have to look deeper, right? It sounds great, and theoretically, but while high occupancy rate is generally seen as a positive indicator for multifamily properties' health, it's not the sole determinant of success. High occupancy, by looking at that and not looking at anything else, you can overlook crucial factors like resident quality, lease terms, and rental rates, and delinquency, right? Yeah, you might have 100% occupied, but guess what your economic occupancy is? 60, right? Sounds pretty terrible. Totally. You want to be able to have less turnover. You don't want to negatively impact cash flow and profitability. So this is why it's super important to even understand how do your on-site managers like get bonuses? What is their bonus for a new lease versus a renewal lease, right? This is really important during these times because if they have a high incentive to just get new leases, or if they don't even have an incentive to get our delinquency down, this is where you can see how this would butt heads, right? Like when their, I guess, compensation structure might be a little bit off. And so like, this is why it's super important as one of your KPIs to track occupancy and to also track income because you want to make sure that they are tied together correctly because you don't want to fill a property just to fill a property ever. You don't want to do it even when you're selling because the buyer will not be pleased afterwards. Hey, didn't we experience that one time? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. You'll notice, say you're under contract on a property, right? And it's at, let's say, 90% occupied. And you need to keep it at 90% occupied because of, let's say, you're getting agency debt. Well, if the seller knows that requirement is to keep it at 90%, Guess what? The seller might not fill it with the best quality residence, which is unfortunate. Or if you have also a clause in your purchase and sale agreement, your PSA, where it says for every vacant unit, if it's not made ready by the time of closing, they owe maybe a $1,500 a fee to turn that unit. Well, if they don't want to pay that, guess what? They can just fill it. Yeah. And so this is super important, right? When it comes to those final moments, having, if you can't make it out to the property within that last week to check out all the units and to check out the occupancy, please, this is where having a property manager be part of your team, not your GP team, but like letting them know from the beginning, like we're in this together. This is where that really comes in place because they can walk a property for you as well. And they should want to, because like I said, like they also want to succeed seed in their job duty. We all do. That's the point of life. Absolutely. So to bust that myth, basically we're saying high occupancy rate does not always equal success. So look into the factors that follow high occupancy after that. All right. So to summarize, we talked about the five essential groups of KPIs that we track, right? So that was leasing, income, maintenance, occupancy, and burning off loss to lease. And then also, you know, some other areas as well. For us, we were tracking amenity fees. And then we also went over the essential KPIs to track financial performance. And in the next episode, we're going to dive a little deeper about what the KPIs are that our property management company tracks, and also how you can leverage data 
and technology for effective KPI tracking. Yeah, and I mean, I just want to encourage you as an active GP or even as an LP to look up at your KPI tracking and make sure that it's something that really benefits you and the property manager. But as LPs, ask what the general sponsorship team is tracking and what their KPIs look like, right? So that you know that they are also being effective asset managers. Like if you have any questions about anything that we've talked about today, please reach out. We'd be happy to help you. We'd be happy to help you like build something like this, as I mentioned before, because it is super important. We don't want success just to be with our properties. Like I said before, as renters, we want the success to go with everybody because if all of the properties can succeed, then the renters never suffer. And that's the whole point. If all the residents are suffering, then why are we in this anyways? Absolutely. Cool. Well, thanks, Susie. Appreciate it. Uh, and until next time, explore more Adventure Awaits. And that's a wrap for another episode of the Adventures of a Real Estate Investor. We hope you've enjoyed today's journey through the multifamily real estate landscape with us. Before you go, don't forget to show some love by leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback is invaluable and helps us continue delivering content that matters to you. Plus, if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button so you never miss out on the latest episodes. As always, we appreciate your support and can't wait to bring you even more insights, expert interviews, and entertaining discussions in the next episode. Until then, keep exploring, keep investing, and remember, the adventure continues. Thanks for being part of the Adventurers family. Woo! Woo!